0: Welcome to The Maker's Playbook, the podcast where we talk all about what it's really like to make a living from the things you make. I'm your host, Rebecca Ickes-Carr. In case you missed all the fun last week, I have some exciting news for you. I have added one more live webinar. Now, if you've been on a social media hiatus and missed all of the past announcements, here's what's happening. Last week, I hosted two free live webinars about the four most common Instagram photography mistakes and how to avoid them. Yes, even with your cell phone. They were our most popular webinars to date, and I got a number of emails from people who missed out, wishing there was another chance. So, we're doing it. January 26th at 2pm Central Time the last and final free live webinar for the foreseeable future. I do not do these webinars often because frankly, I spend a lot of time preparing to make sure they are packed full of content. To give you an idea, the last time I did this was in June of 2021. If you want to quickly accelerate your photography skills in a simple, easy way, don't miss out. Pause this episode right now and save your spot in our final webinar on January 26th. You can click the link in the notes of this episode on whatever podcast app you are using, or you can go to makersplaybook.com slash Instagram dash photography and sign up to save your spot. All right, on with the show. Welcome back for our second week of Dispelling Photography Myths. Today, my photography tips come directly from a recent email conversation I was having with another maker. Yes, my friends, when I say email me with questions if you have them after listening to this podcast, I really do mean it. <laughs> and if you do, I really do answer. The maker's playbook is a tiny team, just like your side hustling dreams, and I'm behind each and every email. But anyway, I digress. The conversation that I was having was all about how things should look on Instagram. As in, do all of your photos have to have the same colors so the feed looks good? Do you need to have a a pattern to your posts? Now, we could go down a whole different rabbit hole as far as whether or not you should separate your personal account from your pottery account. And spoiler alert, the answer is no. (laughs) Or having a business profile versus a personal profile as far as the type of profile on Instagram that you can choose. That's a whole different marketing conversation. And if you're interested in that, send me a DM on Instagram at the Makers Playbook and let me know. I only like to write up these solo episodes if people actually find them helpful. So tell me what you want. So at the heart of all those questions about the look and flow of a feed on Instagram... To me, at the heart of it is one thing, your style. Because the specifics of whether or not you have a pattern or whether or not it's all one color are actually less important than making sure everything feels cohesive together. Cohesion is what creates that professional feeling. And the way for things to feel cohesive is to harness your own unique but consistent style. Funny enough, it's a conversation that sprang up out of our course, the Maker's Photography Styling System, in a way that I didn't actually plan for, in a way that came completely organically outside of any of the literal lessons. Let's hear from some real students.
1: I never had any formal photography training or anything except point the camera at my children and take a picture and tell them to smile. (laughs) Um, So when I started taking pictures of my pottery, it was a whole new learning experience. I had been looking online at photographs for a while of different potters and their approaches. And what I'm attracted to on Instagram is completely different from what I make and what i to present on my Instagram feed. I'm attracted to the sleek, modern, white, crisp pictures with a little bit of um, a design element. But well, there's nothing sleek or modern about me or my pottery. So why was I trying even to emulate anything like that? It made no sense to me. And that's where I was stuck. And I tried taking pictures of my pots in places of my house that I liked and I thought were pretty. But it just didn't work because I didn't understand things I understand a little bit better now since experiencing the pottery course with you. I thought the more like the better. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that that's not the case at all. So now... I have one spot where I like to take my pictures. I live in the Pacific Northwest, so the light here is not predictable. Mm-hmm. And it's actually better on cloudy days than it is on sunny days. But I understand about diffusing the light and all of that. I've evolved a style that I think suits my pottery, or I'm trying to evolve a style that suits my pottery that's more of an old world look, more of a, a still life painting kind of a look, where it isn't bright and white background. It's more of a dark background. Mm -hmm. Most of my pottery is white, so it looks good against a dark background. So I'm still playing and practicing.
0: I don't. I think you have to stop saying you're trying to get your photography style to match because it does now. It. I love seeing when you post a picture because you always say, "I'm hoping it goes," and I look and it goes. Yeah, absolutely. It, there's <laughs> it completely combines together. And I'll remember when I saw you all of a sudden shift with that, and it was just like clicking the gears of something together. Where then it was like an oiled machine. Taking the photography course with you made me
1: really examine. My pottery and my style, mm-hmm. which sounds backwards. I felt like I was not really presenting what I wanted to present. And I took a hard look at what I was doing and went back to things that I liked, things that I would use in my house. Pottery that I would be happy to present as a gift to somebody. Mm-hmm. And proud to sell. Not like I was trying to copy somebody's Tumblr. I want it yep.
0: to be my tumbler. And just a little different tweak to it. When I look at your work now, I feel like I'm in your kitchen. I feel like I could almost smell whatever is on the stove. Like my, that home cooked kind of come in and enjoy a meal and get a really great hug kind of feeling to me is what is that spirit that's in there that I sure hope you're going for.
1: I'm going to write that down and put it over my pottery wheel. (laughs) And say, this is what I should be hoping for,
0: that somebody yeah. can smell my pottery. Next next round, uh, we'll work on scratch and sniff pictures. <laughs> there you go. go.
1: That would be perfect. It's been fun. I love taking pictures of my pottery now. I, I did invest in some backdrops and surfaces to put my pottery on to have a more consistent look. Because mm-hmm. where I was photographing it was on my baker's rack. And it just wasn't deep enough. Yep. And with my yellow stucco walls, which I love. But now I have um, something much darker. Mm -hmm. And I I like that look.
0: I love too that now that you're seeing how much your pieces pop out from the photo with using contrast instead of with using all white, which is, is a very different minimalist look to To the contrast of a a darker background with your white pieces, they really, you know, pop out.
1: It it really needed it. And and that's where I was getting confused because I saw many pictures of potters that I admire who had white pottery or just off-white pottery or light gray pottery on a white background. Mm -hmm. And with a proper tube, maybe not, but it didn't look like it was in a white box. Mm -hmm. You know, it was different than that. There was a a surface and a background. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. But when I put my pottery in front of a white background, it just sat there. It didn't do anything.
0: And it always amazes me how many people start out with all white as well. Because as we talked about in the course, it's the li- literally the hardest thing to photograph is an all white setting.
1: And it is. So in the course, I learned from you about direction of light and how to just reflect it back on the pottery and how to make make a how do i say this focus setting Mm -hmm. um so that your props were in the right spot and so it's it's so much easier i don't have to wonder about how am i going to do this how am i going to approach this it's not as intimidating as it was and it's not as frustrating as as it was i don't feel frustrated at all anymore It's, it's like it's fun
0: What I find so fascinating is I remember you posting a like before and after photo, even within the first couple of weeks of the course from having that. It was like a teal glazed piece that you had that was outside with like greenery behind it. And then taking that and putting it with your tie dye and how much more like specifically you that became to Mm -hmm. me. Because how often do you see pieces? There's nothing wrong with taking pictures of pieces outside and with greenery, but that's for lack of a better word, like a generic approach to photography. And now you have this look that is like when I'm scrolling through, I'm like, oop, there's Jess. That's great to hear. Yeah. And I had some, my
2: friend does tie dye and I had the the warm one and then a teal, the teal one with a lot of contrast. And I asked him to make me just a black and white one. And then a beige one that's like very muted. So there was less stark lines and that beige one works really well for most of my pieces because I usually do things with like the blues and the teals that everybody loves and then if I'm doing something that's a more neutral color like a white speckled or like the honey pots are yellow colored and I might do I might use the
0: black and white or the teal one then. Well so you mentioned kind of not really Thinking that much about the photography process before, so what would be the big difference now? The mood of the picture I would have never thought about
2: before taking the course and realizing that's something that you should think about. And the props, the one prop guidance was also really helpful to think of what can I put in the shot that will help not only make it visually more appealing, but also represent the scale correctly. And before I wasn't doing that. And then I also wasn't paying attention to what was in the shot. So there could be like, something half in and half out of the shot or some junk in the background. And that's really, you know, distracting to the eye. The other thing I like to think about now that I hadn't considered before is contrast versus cohesiveness. Mm -hmm. And I always take that in mind when I start thinking about what I'm going to include in, in the picture. So usually when I'm getting ready, I'll just start walking around my yard or my house and pick things up that I think would be good. Like I had these white speckled ramekins and I pulled some really pretty nasturtium flowers and leaves out of my garden and kind of sprinkled them around because they're like red and green variegated leaves. So they're, they're a little bit They're definitely a contrasting piece to the, like, more subtle glaze. But then I have these marbled planters that are really busy. And so for those, I'm just like, just a green, like, succulent in there is fine.
0: You see, you can pull off just about any kind of photographic style you want, while keeping the focus on your pots, if you're harnessing the right concepts, particularly, as Jess just mentioned, the concepts of cohesion or contrast. In other words, are the things you're putting into your photo, not just your pots, but the props and the background choices and all-around setting that you're choosing, creating a feeling of cohesion with your pottery, or are they creating a feeling of contrast? With your pottery, or rather against your pottery. Neither option is wrong, but you definitely better be choosing them on purpose. If you want incredible tie-dyed backgrounds like Jess is utilizing, then also adding in complicated props to add even more contrast is probably going to be a losing game when it comes to keeping someone's attention on your pots. So as you heard her mention, She has a couple of different colors of tie-dye backgrounds that will either help create more cohesion or contrast, depending on the colors of her pottery. On the flip side, Jackie Wright, who also joined our course last year, if you've ever seen her work on Instagram, at Jackie Wright Ceramics, has absolutely minimalist design, not only in her pottery, but also cohesively in her photography style. And you heard Linda earlier talking about that in terms of finding the right balance between a photo that actually looks like it goes with the style of her pottery rather than trying to photograph something in a different photographic style. That's totally separate from the actual style of her pottery. These are the kind of concepts that I mean when I say it literally doesn't matter what kind of camera you're using in order to improve your photography. Sure, Is there a point where you can outgrow the equipment or your cell phone for what you're taking photos with? Absolutely. But generally, that point doesn't come until you are actually already using every single feature of the camera you already own. In other words, if you're already shooting in manual mode, completely, totally manual, on a regular camera, and still not getting the photos you want, then maybe it's time for an upgrade. But until you get there, learning these basic concepts of composition, harnessing color theory, being intentional about infusing or not infusing texture into your images, all of these things will drastically improve your photos. But you don't have to take my word for it.
3: What I loved is when I reached out to you and was like, so, this is my style. She said, great, we can totally do that. And I was just like... I was floored because nobody, nobody talked about what I wanted to do. And you made sure that not just for me, but everyone's styles, you addressed each of us and told us the skills and techniques that we needed in order to explore
0: our personal styles. I love it. Well, and do you feel like your style has changed much from the vision that you had when we started or, What's that kind of process been like?
3: You know what's really interesting is it definitely has. um, I had a very general idea about dark, macabre, you know, all the things I absolutely love. But learning more about, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is light, where the source comes from, what things look like. I definitely stick with the dark, but I'm also not afraid to use light and still have that same effect. Mm. So not everything has to be gloomy, I guess. Before, I think it was, Um, I had this idea about being more mysterious and there's so much clarity in the kind of more playful dark than I envisioned originally. We did so much practice in uh, the course about looking at photos and looking at them in so many different ways, whether it's the grid. We talked a lot about the Z um, or Z (laughs) shape. We talked about so many things that just like, even after a photo is taken, I can go back and reanalyze it and understand that photo better and what works and what I could improve on for next time or what I might change just to get a different sort of personality coming out in it. This is maybe one of the nicest things about the courses. We all came out more ourselves with a stronger personal voice. And though we were learning the exact same thing, everybody came up with something so different. And it was, I loved, we had that Marco Polo and we would share our successes and our confusions. And I mean, that group is amazing. They're still amazing. We still follow each other on Instagram and everything. And it's just having that extra support. So even if we weren't troubleshooting necessarily directly with you all the time, we also had each other, but then you were hopping in too. It was just, it was such a great community as well, which I have not found in other courses. Yes.
0: Oh, you just made my day! You just made my day because that's been the biggest thing the whole time from the start of this podcast. From deciding to launch the course instead of doing one-on-one coaching was all rooted in wanting a community. Because I mean, that made the biggest difference for me over a decade ago when I started my own business. So I knew it had to be true, even though it was clay and not photography. You know,
3: absolutely. I I have to be perfectly honest. In every other course I've taken online or even in person. When we have like any group chat or anything, I, I am dying on. <laughs> I want out. I do not want to participate. These ones. Anytime there was a Marco Polo, I noticed it. I would hop right on there, and I was so excited to see what everybody was working on and answer questions or ask my own. It was it was so good. I I mean, it was magic. Love it. And yeah. I I'm super introverted and don't generally like talking to people, but I could not wait. <laughs>
1: I follow a lot of new potters now because of the course yeah. and they follow me back, which is fun. Yep. I get to see what they're doing and I get to see how their photography is progressing also. Yeah, And that's been fun to watch because there have been some, there's some real progression there. I, I think the course was definitely worth it. I mm-hmm. thought about, should I do this? should I do that? But it was worth it. It was worth investing in Another skill that I needed to learn,
0: mm-hmm. and it
1: was an easy way to learn it because I tried looking at camera books and other things like that. It's totally confusing. Yep. And as I said before, who wants to learn the science behind it when you have to learn the science behind your craft anyway? Mm-hmm. You don't want to learn the science behind that now. But it was just enough. It was just enough to make you feel like you were learning something important. Mm-hmm. And not enough to, and not so much that you felt like you were really stupid to start with. And enough so that you felt like you really learned something when you finished.
0: Mm -hmm. So it was perfect. Good. Oh, wonderful. And I also wanted to make sure that it wasn't teaching anyone a specific style, right? Because the style you have now come to that coordinates so beautifully with your style of pottery is completely different than Diana, who is still shooting on all white backgrounds, or just- Justice, who is doing these really macabre, Halloweeny. And yeah.
1: everyone found their style. From what
0: I saw, there were
1: several potters that had an idea mm-hmm. what they wanted it to look like, mm-hmm. and just needed the coaching
0: mm-hmm. to
1: get it in the right spot.
0: Yep. Amazing. Amazing. Just thank you so much for making the time. I really
2: appreciate it. If people are wondering whether or not to take your course, mm-hmm. some things to keep in mind are a, you don't need any extra stuff and you can do the whole course with your phone and a table and a window. And then also it's a huge value I think because not only do you get the videos, but you get the cheat sheets and then you get, personal like access time with to you for your expertise. And I was really impressed how you worked with each individual who was in the course with their specific style and like what their challenges were and what they're trying to accomplish with the course.
0: Oh, thank you. I
2: appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for, for offering that.
0: Okay. So you've heard us talk a lot about the Maker's Photography Styling System. And here's the deal. The doors to this six weeks course are only open for another six days. That's right. The doors close on January 27th, 2022. And my friends, that's not some randomly made up day for the sake of scarcity marketing. Okay? No. It's that specific day because the course starts on January 31st. And why, you might ask, does the course start on January 31st? Well, because since it's six weeks long, that means you will be finished with all of the lessons by early March. And in from my perspective, that means just in time for ramping up your Instagram game or your Etsy shop in preparation for all the springtime shows and the markets and the safe outdoor festivities that I hope we will all be having. Not to mention... Personally, it's also just in time for me to be diving deep back down the rabbit hole that is wedding season. As you know, my full-time gig is still as a wedding photographer. So as you've heard many of our past students already say, I am super hands-on when it comes to providing feedback and answering questions while you're going through all of the lessons. So that's precisely why I don't have this course open to be available to join all year long. If we had the course going in September at the height of the craziness in the photography world for me, I just wouldn't have the time to be as involved. My friends in joining the makers photography styling system, you will have an efficient, quick to implement and easy to customize system for taking your photos faster. And if right now, isn't the most ideal time for you, but considering I can't tell you when I know I'm going to open the course again next, Know that you'll have lifetime access to the videos even after these first six weeks of lessons. And of course, our amazing makers community with Jess and Justice and Linda and everyone you've heard from today is always there for you. If you've been loving the monthly photography tips but wishing you could ramp up your skills faster, then this is the solution. That being said, if you're sick of hearing about the maker's photography styling system, we will be back to our regularly scheduled monthly email tips and maker interviews here on the podcast at the start of February. So after this week, you don't have to hear anything else about the course for quite a long time since I have no idea when I will be launching it again. But first, before all of that, don't forget. If you missed out on the free live webinar this past week about the four most common Instagram photography mistakes and how to avoid them, yes, even with your cell phone, I'm hosting one more. It is backed by popular demand, if you will, given all of the emails I've gotten. This impromptu last webinar is going to be on January 26th at 2pm Central. So you can save your spot by clicking the link in the show notes or going to makersplaybook.com slash Instagram dash photography. And spots will be limited, my friends, because that's just how Zoom's business model works. (laughs) So, all right, until next time, go get back to making your dreams a reality because together we've got this.